Rocking chair, chair sessions. sessions. With Elisa Di Battista, Maria Teresa Barbara. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another RCS Rocking Chair Session, Volume 148, with artist Natalia Kochak. Welcome, Natalia. Thank you for sitting with us today. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> it's so wonderful to to meet you here in this like digital space. I know I've been bothering you with all kinds of audio stuff, but um, it's just like really, I don't know. I really appreciate these moments where you can connect online and you can connect in this digital realm and nothing kind of beats the the in-person you know bakehouse rocking chair feel of it but mm. we're getting pretty close and um you just have to kind of imagine that the soothing effect of the rocking chair that usually helps calm nerves or you know just makes it special in some way so you're sitting yeah, on an imaginary okay. rocking chair right now <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah i'm i'm so excited uh to have you on today um i just figured out where we first met or where i first heard about your work and it was actually at the Little Haiti Cultural Center at an exhibition curated by Marie Vickles called Truth and Reconciliation. And it came to me after I saw on your website this piece that you did there, a book that you made, this anti-biography uh, anti about your family, right? But then also we also connected through Project Art uh, because you were... The, uh, the cohort after me you were like the second round basically right and so um yeah Which would you like to speak of first today i guess yeah. would you like to jump into project art or discuss the show that happened at the little katie cultural center well why don't we start with uh yeah I, the the show at the little haiti cultural center because i you know it took me a minute to um place you as well later after we were in that show i remembered then i remembered the show very well and actually it was interesting because when i was in that show that, that was the first time i ever showed that work and i was still in graduate school so the way that i showed it is completely different than how i have it in a book now um but that it was really interesting to play with it in that context of the show. Um, I was really happy to be able to do it and you know show it for the first time. Um, the the work is pretty heavy um, conceptually and um, you know with the critique on our society. So to be able to do that um, in a safe place like the Little Haiti Cultural Center was absolutely a wonderful experience. So the book. Um, has gone through many changes, and that was the final product of that that project. Um, and it's about, you know, I mean, gosh, it's like 300 pages. It wow. actually takes many pages. There's a lot of pages of collages and writings and um, and all different and drawings. I'm sure we'll get more into that later, but I thought I'd just go ahead and start with that. <laughs> 300 pages. Have you ever thought of having it photographed like highly so that you could print a book? Because that would be just so beautiful. 
Yeah, actually, I'm working on two um, different ways that I'm creating it. I'm working, um, I'm going to be making an artist book, like a hundred page limited edition artist book that's going to be, right now, the book is um, made, it's made from an original book, which is a book that was published by Mary Chestnut, who was a Confederate woman from the, the time of the Civil War. So I took that book and then I created a manipulated book. So it's just one piece. Um, so I had been thinking about how to recreate it into something that can go out to more people. Um, so I have two versions. One would be like you said, an actual published book that I can give out. And I have a whole other project that I'm working on with that. Um, and then I'm doing the limited edition book as well, which I'll be working with a company. It would be reprodu it's not going to be reproduced, but it will be a new um, a new piece that's going to be done in, in, um, printmaking and silkscreen wow. and everything. So it will, but it's a continuation of what I've been doing in different ways. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's phenomenal. Like to be able to, to, as you say, not take it as a finished piece, but just to, it, the project grows, you know, it's like organic, it's like living. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The project is, that was just the beginning. Um, I was taking all different forms. It, 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 um, my, my whole art practice is informed by that original book or project that I started with. Um, so my paintings are informed by it, the work with project art, everything that I do. And the rendition that you posted at the Little Haiti Cultural Center itself before it ended up in the book, you said it was a painting or a drawing? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So when it was at the Little um, Haiti Cultural Center, it was actually in... Um, collage there were paintings in collage format that was hung on the wall like photographs um hanging in like a large installation of like, like stills mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah. so that worked okay but as I thought about more I wanted it to have that um kind of that quietness that's in a book and like the tactility as well mm -hmm. yeah and the idea of making a, um, a diary piece, you know, so it's quiet, textural, like very intimate. You know, yeah, intimate. Exactly. Yeah, I think that is why it took me a while to kind of bring the two together, because I remember Marie Vickles, the curator of that show, invited us to do this artist talk. Right. So it was like this. I don't know, three hour marathon artist talk with like 20 artists sharing like incredibly intimate, incredibly emotional stories, very personal stories. And I think I think I've even shared it on on rocking chair sessions already with another artist. Like there were really like like these these moments of sharing, especially are still like very much with me you know like these these it, resonated, yeah. it, it really resonated it left a mark in a way and I remember when you shared this story where you know you were talking about your own family and your roots uh with with the family that you had here in the United States right and that um 
they were basically owners of slaves, right? And then you were working, but then you also have other family that came from Europe and were basically immigrant families. So it's a kind of like a melting pot there too. But I then know. I kind of want to jump into the, the family from Europe first, and then we could open up the family from, um, I guess, here in the States. Could you tell us what part of Europe your, your family that came from there was yeah. from? So I guess what's really interesting about this whole story, because I look at my art as a narrative and my own family journey, is that I actually grew up in New York in a in a in Yonkers, New York, in what would be like a Ukrainian village. So I'm half Ukrainian. So I my mom, her family, however, is from the south and is from Kansas. And so I never connected with her family because she was, you know, very American. That was what she was. It was not, well, my father was very Ukrainian. So we had all the Ukrainian traditions. I grew up Ukrainian. My name's Natalia Kochak. So, you know, this is, that was my, my heritage. Um, but then when I was in 10th grade in high school, we started moving because my parents are professors and well, my dad's a professor. My mom's a journalist. But um, we started moving. And so we started we went from New York to Kansas and then to Alabama. Um, so I went to three different high schools. And that that really like affected my my being um, just because mainly because I was extraordinarily shy. So, of course, everything was all about my art. So I just made art about everything I saw. And, you know, I had just many questions. I really was thinking about it. I had, I met so many different types of people. Um, and so that kind of started me, um, on this journey of being interested in culture and, and, um, different and, and how people, different people, you know, have their individual lives, individual selves, but also how, um, they interact within a community. And so, um, I don't think I knew that at that point in time, of course, that took me through many more journeys. Um, I, you know, after that, I moved to Chicago and went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago for undergrad. Then I moved to Austin, Texas, where I live. And I actually started a decorative painting business to support my art practice. Um, it took me a long time. So actually at about 29, I went to Uganda and taught art for a little bit as well and started doing artist residencies. Really, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I wanted to go experience the world and see different things. But all of that really impacted me. Um, and, you know, going through quickly through my life's journey, I ended up in Miami. Um, and then I went back to the Art Institute of Chicago to get my master's in their low residency program. And that's the point in time where I already had all this interest, but me and my mom, we were like, we were doing, you know, ancestry.com. And so, um, she did ancestry.com and she was living in Auburn, Alabama. And she found out that she was DNA connected to all of these people who were African-American who literally lived right around her. And so that was a, huge shock to her. So this is why I think it's so important that people actually understand their history is she didn't know at 
all. You know, she was living in Kansas. Her family, that was all hidden. She thought she was from a poor farming family from Kansas. Had absolutely no clue. And what's interesting, too, is she was always extremely interested in genealogy. And somehow it was still always hidden. Um, her whole family is. So, so at that point in time, it was my first year in graduate school. And um, I had... Actually, it was the first summer of graduate school. I started oh, that wow. summer. That's always the most intense, I think, like that first. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, so we wrote Paula Watley, who we're working with. And so Paula Watley is a retired, um, she's a retired professor from Howard University. And so, and we're, we're blood related to her um, from the time of slavery. And, you know, to explain that more, my mom found out that she had had a few people within her family who had owned slaves. Um, they're still trying to figure out the whole history, but um, nobody knows how many or what. I mean, it's still trying, the history is still shrouded, but uh, the point is they're working together to find the history. And what's really interesting is Paula, she's the same, she's just a couple of years older than my mom. And, um, you know, my mom's a journalist and she's a documentary filmmaker and professor. And Sorry, then, mm-hmm. yeah, her daughter's a writer and um, my, and then I'm an artist and professor. And so she, so, uh, well, now I'm a professor, obviously, then I was in grad school. <laughs> but, but um, so, you know, we had a lot of similarities and we had a lot of interests overlapping. Um, my, my mother and I were interested in talking to a lot of people um, for our own, you know, for our own interests. This was before any of us thought about working together on a project. But um, Paula was looking, she was actually looking for us. Like she was looking for a white side of the family to speak to her because she wanted, without speaking to us, she was un, unable to find, you know, the details she needed to find her history, like find, you know, to do the research and figure out who's who throughout the history. So it was really important that we met and started talking. And so that's what inspired the project. And sparked so, it sparked mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I guess to explain the the book a little bit more, the book is called My Family Anti-Autobiography and took me a while to figure out how to take all this and put it into one piece. Um, And so it's from an, as I said, it's from a biography of a white woman, Mary Chestnut, from um, the Civil War time. And I eliminated a lot of her writing, not all of it, and overlaid it with all of our writings um, poetry, like journal entries, um, stories, and uh, the, all of the um, the collages are from pictures from our both of our archive, archives going all the way back. So the people that are in it are blood related. Wow. Um, not all of it because it depends. Some of the people, you know, it's, but most of it is. Most of the people are. There's multiple people in the pictures. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So um, so. Yeah, that's the piece. So I look at it as being my um, diary of my experience and my learning through this process. Yeah, I think it's 
it's such a phenomenal project because genealogy, um, even though you are who you are based upon, yes, um, environment, socialization, upbringing, um, there are these little elements that sometimes you're like, oh, was that from an ancestor that I don't know existed or what have you from a past? And so to be able to open that up and then realize that there was somebody else who was also looking for you, just like you were seeking them out, is um, serendipitous that you were able to actually cross paths and collaborate in this way and fashion. Maria, you had something you wanted to say? Yeah, yeah I, I was just wondering how you felt, you know, in this first semester we were talking about that is already difficult, you know, finding out this interesting information about your family and you know how was that for you and how also did your class react to your work around that you know wow okay so I'm like <laughs> nobody can see my face except for you guys uh, there was a lot of turmoil in me and a lot of uh I, I cried I didn't know how to like present the information you know uh I didn't actually finish the book till after I graduated because to be honest, it was pretty hard in grad school. You know, there was a lot of, there were a lot of, there were people that really, really backed what I did. A lot of professors, um, they were like, no, you have to do it. You have to make this because you started the journey. So, you know, we understand if you quit, but you can't, you know, you shouldn't. <laughs> And I didn't want to quit either. I did not, but it was pretty hard to figure out how to, it felt like a, there were, it definitely felt like there was a weight on me because it's not just painting a painting anymore. You know, there was, there was, there's a huge history and how to, um, create something that was that, um, just respectful and honest simultaneously, yes, you know, exactly. That was respectful and honest that came from me. Um, about this family that, you know, I didn't know anything about, but also about my family and my journey through this. It was a pretty difficult uh, period. It was very, very, very difficult for me, actually, I would have to say. But I'm glad I didn't give up. I feel really comfortable with the work that I'm doing now. And it has progressed and progressed since I graduated and since I finished that book. The first time I actually showed the book was after my graduation. I mean, I showed, I showed the book during my graduation, but it wasn't in its finished or for my um, thesis show, but it wasn't in the finished form. Um, so I kept working on it. So the first time I would say that it was actually finished was for the project art show at, um, the MoCA in North Miami. Mo mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I had the experience doing project art, Uh, and working with the kids at Model City. And oh, that, that really helps me feel comfortable, like showing my work. And I, you know, I worked, I got to work with the kids from, um, from Bridge Miami, the teenagers. And uh, they, they were wonderful. They were great. They all came to the show. They were so interested in my work. Like, it felt like I really progressed, like, from being completely on the interior, trying to think about the work and try to like create something. And my practice has no, it's no longer just like inside me, you know, it's also, I have a social practice now um, that I'm proud of and I'm continuing to work with mm -hmm. as much I mean, as I can. And I also mm -hmm. saw that you even moved 
further to work with kids now from the Jose Diego Middle School, right? Where you are also kind of taking on a, a, a mural project with the kids where you're also incorporating like this text or, you know, kind of, it looks like a collage book kind of thing, right? So can you, can talk you tell about us about that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I was invited um, by Raw Project, the Raw Project, who he does, if you go to Jose Diego, you know, he has a nonprofit that covers the whole school in murals by um, different artists. Most of them are muralists, but he, but, um, but he asked me um, to, uh, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> but I was asked to uh, do the mural, like, because he really liked the book. And so I was asked to do a mural, but I'm a gallery artist, right? So I had to really think about how I was going to create a mural. And so my idea had originally come from, you know, I had this book and this idea of like taking a book and creating something that became or taking like the words and like making something new out of it and having and being able to create something that looked amazing while the kids were helping me right like not just like a template either but something that you could see their hands in it as well as your hands in it and it could be more of a collaboration yeah Exactly. So, I mean, it was, it wasn't like I had, was working just with one class. The kids came through on their breaks and like all, they were all over everything. Like, you know, so they were helping me like, um, because I took the book, um, I took the book Lord of the Flies. Uh, so I printed out large scale prints of it. And then we started eliminating the words all together. So they eliminated them in gold leaf and like paints and and um had big oil pastels and you know so they're having a ball out of it and then and then I tried to like put together a composition from the pieces they left me and then they helped me figure out where to put it and some of them even some of them you know used went in there with the uh the oil pastels and the paints after it was up there. And I also used, so I have, like I said before, I have a decorative painting business. So I used Venetian plasters uh, because Venetian plasters are made from marble dust. And um, yeah, the idea is like recreating something. Like it's, it's like I have this idea with the Venetian plasters in my art. It's like a home, it's 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 an, a home, you know? So they're recreating a home. Um, so they were stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were out there with the, uh, with the, like the, uh, trowels. <laughs> I was, had a trowel. <laughs> it was great. It was super fun. It's so wonderful. Cause I think it also exposes them to something they might not see in regular, um, art class. Cause you, you go through the basics, you know, painting, printmaking, um, photography, etc. And, but something like a trowel, I think that's so hands-on that's more physical. And it's something that you l- either learn at home or, or you have maybe somebody who's a family member who's construction or is fixing up the house or, or maybe you started dabbling grad school with different materials to create different services, but to do it at a school, like an age when it's like middle school where they're just like, they're so much more tactile and physical. It, I think it, it must've been a really fun experience for them to have. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. And, and also, you know, it was really great too, because Lord of the Flies, is, I chose that book because it's a middle school 
you know, eighth grade, ninth grade book. So most of the kids were like sixth, seventh grade. So they hadn't read it yet, but they were, they, they were so excited about it that they were all asking to read it. They all wanted it because they wanted to read the whole book to come up with their own ideas. I had kids coming up and being like, Oh, the symbolism talking about symbolism. I was like, <laughs> Because that's the time, you know, you know, they're starting to talk about um, symbolism and all these things in, you know, literature class. So it was great. <laughs> and it, it came really- out so beautifully. Like it looks really, really, I, I, I feel like it also has the, um, the feel of your book still, yeah, you know, it, it feels like an extension of. Yeah, not. Podcast. Now hearing how much the kids also were helping and that you were still able able to put it together so it also looks like your it still does look like your work, you know, that's remarkable. <laughs> That's what I was trying to do, you know, when you when you come up with something, an idea like this, I was like, my fingers, like, I think it's gonna work. (laughs) I had it in my head, and it worked. And it was great. And I hope I get to do it again with different books and different places. That would be phenomenal. I was curious. I wanted to ask you, Natalia. Um, you mentioned that you went to obviously um, Chicago Institute for both undergrad and graduate school. And I feel that the graduate school experience, as you mentioned already, can be quite rough sometimes or just like challenging, I should say. How was your undergrad experience when you were there before that? So um, I had quite a long period between my undergrad and my master's. So that might have you know, that, that probably affected it a little bit, but, um, my experience in undergrad was, I had so much fun in Chicago, of course. I mean, it was not rough. It was undergrad for my experience. It was not rough. I was having a wonderful time and I learned a lot. Um, now that I'm teaching, I realized how much I learned. And then of course, how much I didn't learn too. Because I'm <laughs> <a customer. laughs> Did you specialize in, in an area? I don't recall if you have to like select a field. Like if you have to say like, I'm painting, I'm fibers and whatever, what did you dabble in? Um, so I did, you don't have to, you do not have to select at the art institute. Cool. It's kind of open, but I was painting, printmaking and, uh, I did video. I did a lot of video art. Video. Yeah. It's something yeah. that I've been meaning to like actually do more work of, but so you're you know, a storyteller. So that would pretty, would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, my question was also like, when you when you went to Chicago, like what was the, for you, the decision also like, you know, the decision to go to art school and then go to Chicago to that very specific, very, you know, um, very prestigious prestigious school. Yeah. And, and how did you get to that point, you know, where you were like so sure that you, you would become an artist that you said like, Oh, I'm going to go to Chicago. So I think that that's kind of like lucky in some ways, right? Because like I said, I was moving. And when I was in, living in New York, I I was a dancer. Um, I was a ballerina for a very long time until I was like 16. And then wow. I decided, yeah, and then I was like, and then I just decided to quit that and needed my, you know, a new outlet. And then I started moving as well. And when I was in New York, I don't know, I guess it was just always like, oh, she's just going to go to art school, right? I don't know. I always drew, right? So, but my biggest, (laughs) I mean, there's nothing wrong with like SUNY Purchase. It's a great school. But that was as far as my head went 15 minutes away from where I lived, right? That's as far as I went. 
I was like, I'll go to SUNY Purchase. So when I moved to Kansas City, actually, my my teacher submitted my portfolio for the Kansas City Art Institute summer program. And then I, I got a, a scholarship, like a full scholarship to go there for the summer. And that's when my parents were like, that was my junior year. So my parents were like, oh, okay, well, she's really going to go to art school. And then, you know, and then I got to actually learn about all the different art schools. So it opened my whole world up about as much as I could, like all the places I could go. Yeah. And then, so then it was between, I was going to either go to uh, RISD, NY, or School of Visual Arts, or the Art Institute of Chicago. And that really pretty much came down to, I already know New York, RISD is a smaller town. I want to go to Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) The Windy City. Oh my goodness. And you're already used to the cold. Um, speaking about your parents, you mentioned how your mom is a journalist, which is also a storyteller, and how your dad is a professor. And now you yourself are a professor. Do they kind of sort of like laugh or say like, hey, like you're basically us, but in your own unique form? Uh, yes, because my dad's a pharmaceutical scientist. So he's like absolutely on the other end of like me as an art professor. But he definitely, I'm the only, I'm the oldest of five kids. So he. He def- I'm the only one who's decided to go down that same path. So, yeah, he's definitely thinking about that, like, all the time. <laughs> and my mom, yeah, I think she, I think, like, we have a lot in common as storytellers, yeah, and, and historian-type people. I look at myself as a historian, actually. As a, so I love to teach history. I love art history. I love teaching art history. I love making art. I, I just love it. And it speaks to you. Yeah. 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 I also wanted to talk to you about a little bit about your uh, restoration uh, business as well, because it was so exciting when we were like, um, you know, trying to book you for the show. Uh, you were like, well, uh, can we push it back? Because I'm actually busy uh, doing work in the Keys right now, you know, and, you know, I got just laid off, you know, tons of other people just lost their jobs or, you know. So um, I was like, wow, she's doing something right if she can get, you know, jo- uh, like business during the pandemic. That's like something really, really cool. So I, I, and I also I also saw it on your website as well you know that you're you're you you're being very honest about you realized re- early on that you needed uh, another income or a second income to support your your artistic work you know and then you're, an artist. you mm-hmm. talked about teaching and you talked about this restoration work as well so can you talk a little bit about that job you just did and also how you how you got there it looked beautiful like I saw the image on your on your Instagram and I was like wow that's amazing you know can can you talk a little bit about that side of your um yeah I would love to because I like to talk about it. I think it's really important to figure out what you can do as an artist, right? And so when I first graduated from undergrad, I had no idea what I was going to do, right? And so I, uh, I, had, <laughs> I had worked for a mural for an interior designer doing murals in undergrad in Chicago. And then I moved to Austin, Texas and was working at a clothing store. And I was very lucky because an interior designer said, oh, you should do decorative painting. I had no idea what that was, right? But what it is, is basically doing anything for 
construction or development that takes that extra artistry. Um, and I've had, I've been doing it for a long time now. I worked for a woman for a year and then I started working for myself um, in Austin. And since then, I've actually gotten to do some really exciting jobs. It's true. I, I've done some very exciting jobs. I, I did the uh, design at Los Altos, which is a club um, on in Little Havana, uh, which is, it was awesome. I got to do every single area of it's like touched by me and people who helped me. So, um, and then I've gotten to, I did a, made a house, I've made houses look like chateaus with like hand painted ceilings. And, you know, like I said, I do plasters, I do Venetian plaster. It's great for my material use because I feel really comfortable like using anything yeah when you have a job like that somebody asks you can you do this you're like yes okay let me figure out how to do it let me figure it out yeah exactly <laughs> so I've been doing it for years and I'm really happy doing it and so the job in Key West it's a client that I've had for three years I've done a bunch of stuff for him so you know he felt he he wanted me to come out there and just do it he has a vacation home so I get to go out there okay it's kind of a dream right <laughs> work by myself there and just like hey <laughs> it's seclusion in paradise <laughs> I was pretty fascinated I was like hell I want to be in QS right now you know I want to be in the Keys that sounds like a lovely place for pandemic <laughs> but it's so important I think I think you struck the nail on the head like when you get out of um, undergrad especially you don't always really know I mean some people just already have it straight and narrow what they want to do but not everybody fully knows what they could do or how they could sustain themselves and make a living and continue making their own art. And then some refuse for a while to like, oh, I won't do a regular job because then that won't mean I'm a real artist. When the reality is that a lot of artists do have to have a side hustle or more than one job to occupy um, to be able to pay the bills and buy their materials. So I think um, thank you for sharing, you know, the reality of that, because it, it just it sometimes it has to get done. Sometimes it does. Yeah, it does. And I'm really happy about what I do because, well, there's there there were several things that went into my decision to do that is the first one was I wanted the freedom to do my art and be able to do everything I needed as an artist, which made it a lot. I, I that meant I didn't want a boss, right? Besides whoever's hiring me, I guess. So I could go do artist residencies. So I've been lucky and I've gotten to go to China twice to do residencies for months. Wow. You know, I mean? like I've gotten to go to Berlin for three months. I've gotten to do a lot of artist residencies because of being able to do that. And the other thing was, is that I really wanted to go, I really wanted to be a professor. Okay, so doing that was just my, is my way to get there because it's a great job. Okay, I still love doing it. I, I would do that forever <laughs> because it keeps me like, I, I paint every day. Basically, I paint every day. And yeah, painting your own stuff is great, but sometimes to have that free space to just paint without having to think about stuff is great because I'm thinking about my other work. It's giving that time to think about that while I'm- A little break. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm staying practiced painting. Um, but I never wanted to go, I never wanted to be a professor till I was older. So, you know, I, I never wanted to do that till I was in my thirties. So- What shifted for you? Yeah, sorry, what? What shifted for you to make that decision? Uh, so, um, well, I always wanted to. I always wanted to. I had some personal things that happened in my life that made it, it made it 
timing was off. Yeah. Obvious. It, yeah. There, it made it obvious that I wasn't doing exactly what I wanted to do, um, around 33. So then it was like, okay, time to go to school and try to time to do everything I want to do. Right. So now I get to do everything, which I'm really happy with. So that's pretty yeah. incredible. Um, you mentioned some really um, incredible places like Berlin, and then you mentioned this, you know, residency in China, and we also know you did the residency in Uganda. Could you walk us through what you experienced in each of those things and something that you took away um, with you, please? Thank you. Yeah, that was exactly okay. what I wanted to ask too. So <laughs> residencies, yeah. Yeah. So actually, the first time I did one was when I was in Greece, and that was when I was in college still, right, um, undergrad. And that was the first time I'd ever left the country as well. So I was like, oh, now I just always was like, always wanted to go back and do it. I had a love for it, Um, a love for, you know, being in another culture. So that would be the first one that came from that first one. So I always had that in my mind. So as I said, when I started my business, I had in my mind, oh, I need the freedom to do artist residencies, right? Um, It took me a while uh, to start my business and actually get enough clients to support it. So, uh, I actually did three residencies in a year. And so I did, I went to Uganda for two months. Okay. I went to China for one month in Beijing first. Then I went to Berlin for three months. Whoa. And then I went to Uganda for two months after that. Like, so yeah. So with time in between that I came back and worked, you know, so I could go do all this. Um, So when I went to China, that was the first time I I always wanted to go to China. So, 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 so bad. I wanted to see, you know, a different, um, see the decorative painting, actually, because I always loved it. You know, all that hand painting on the house. So intricate and very detailed. And mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, you know, at that point in time, it was before a lot of changes ha- were happening there. Uh, so it was very poor. And it's interesting because I actually went back to two years ago, again to China, except to Guangzhou, China. And I did an academic artist residency with a art center called Lido Art Center. So I got to see there, there was nine, you know, eight years in between. So that was connecting those two together. What I saw was this massive change. When I was first there, there were houses with no doors, you know, very, very poor in Beijing. And then I go back and, you know, it's everything's toy or, I mean, let's just say it was like $10 to get your nails done. And then it's like $100 now. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, nails done because I had to get my nails done. <laughs> oh, just a growth, explosion of growth. Yeah, just an absolute explosion of growth. So that was one thing that was really interesting. And then um, Beijing, I was with, that was a different type of residency. So I was with eight other artists. So mm-hmm. one of them, had, she's from Bahrain, um, Miriam Haji. And she just, she represented um, Bahrain and the Biennale. So, I mean, I got to be around some really amazing artists. And then Uganda, um, I actually raised money through Kickstarter to do that. I was invited to go uh, very randomly um, through somebody that came to my parents' church and was like, you should come to Uganda and teach art or whatever. You know, so I was like, I don't, the more, or the purpose of my story is I, what I really learned was never say no and figure out how to 
this is true sometimes as well not to be scared of the actual um feet but just how to approach it and figure things out as you go yeah yeah exactly so but but uganda being with the kids there i taught i was teaching kids and that was the first time i ever taught kids too so i walked away with a lot of different experiences um that year it was a pretty amazing year i think it was a year after that that i decided it was like i really wanted to go to graduate school then and you know focus on my art you were ready i think there's there's this it's all about timing. I always say that about when you feel that you are ready for that moment, because you do have some people are ready to jump into it right after undergrad. Some people need to take a year off, two years off, five years, eight, ten. But you have to be ready for that moment, I think. And so it's hearing your journey, the in between what happened before heading off to it and who you were and the growth, I think um, is quite phenomenal. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and, and I feel like the residencies, like you said, it can be, you know, it can have like a very different focus or it can bring out different, different um, kind of skills also, right? There, you know, there's like this one residency you did in Uganda that definitely fostered your teaching skills or, or brought that out in you, you know, other mm-hmm. residencies are more like also like this cultural experience or like also getting inspired more like maybe for the you know for for the restoration or for like other ideas and then in berlin i wanted to talk to you also about the tact residency that you did there because that was always a residency that i was interested in a friend of mine did it from australia that's also a residency you did right can you talk a little bit about that wait uh which one in in, in berlin what the one Kunz project? From? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. So that was the one that was three months. It, it was, it was great. I mean, like I said, I met so many great artists. Um, I was referred to do it actually to, uh, you know, Carrie Phillips did it. So, yeah. And yeah, I we had her did, on already. We've had her on. We love Carrie. She, I didn't know her before, um, before that, because I went actually before I moved to Miami, but a friend of mine from New York, she had gone there. So it's a very popular one. Yeah. It's very popular. A lot of people do it. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it's, it wasn't my absolute favorite artist residency because I do like, uh, I liked the one in China. I liked the last one I did, which was at Lido Art Center. Um, I'm friends with the you know, the people who run it now. And it was really, it was really great. Um, so yeah. What did you do while you were at Berlin? Cause three months is a long time. So what did your work look like when you first got there and you hit the ground running to when you left? Like what was uh, the more or less the transition? Uh, so let's see. It was so long ago now. <laughs> I'm like, it's so different now. So at that point in time, I was doing a lot of portraits and I was doing like these large groups of like people uh, that were kind of like all on top of each other. So in some ways it has some stuff to do with my work now. But I yeah, it, say, it sounds like genealogy, just like a bunch of people, you know, just all yeah, gathered. I just didn't know what I was doing at that point in time. It was definitely uh, I definitely like being in Berlin and like the cold and like the people, they definitely were influencing my work. But, you know, I mean, I think that I w- what it really influenced was that was the first time I had three full months to work on my art and just work on my art with other artists. And that definitely, you know, 
made me open my eyes to, oh, I really need to focus on my art now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yes, yeah, th- three months, like to be able to focus like for three months, that's really something you don't really have after grad school. I feel like, I mean, I did grad school in this, uh, in the, you know, the regular version, not the low res. And I feel like that was definitely the last time that I had so much time, you know, just really, really focusing on the art. That's, that, that's really fantastic. Um, okay, so I'm going to give Elisa our five-minute okay. warning sign. Get your okay. questions together. Well, but, my last question. Okay, go ahead. Um, you have a variety of media that you dabble with. And so um, I was curious if when you were in high school and undergrad and you did start, you mentioned you had painting, you did a little bit of even video you mentioned. When did the decision to cut and um, kind of recreate these histories occur to then form these collages. Like when did that, the taking the scissor or the knife to the actual painting occur for you? So actually I had been working with collage before I started that project and I was doing collages of only my ancestry before this. So it was just the pictures that I had. So I had been working on that for about a year and a half before I went to grad school, just before I'd even thought about any of that. So um, I had I wasn't working on collage at first on these pieces, though. So I, it just started happening. It just seemed right, honestly, you know, with the with the work. Uh, I would say that I'm a I call I'm a painter. That's what I think. I'm a painter. But I, I think that um, the medium inform or the, the concept informs the medium. So I'm not just I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel that I'm limited to one, yeah, one medium or one style. I don't want to okay. be limited to it. One more before Maria asks this is her final question. Sorry, Maria. Your usage of text, you mentioned that you write um, your experiences in um, within kind of like woven between your collages. Um, what does it mean for you to have your um, your voice be heard with your um, own like kind of sort of formation of, of your writings within the pieces? How 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 is how important is that extra layer for you? Uh, so that is extremely important for me because I actually uh, so I started writing this book called um, American Joy, like this poetry book, and that was the first time that I realized that like writing. I feel naked when I write and when I make art, I feel like I have this like thing in front of me that people don't entirely see me. So, uh, when I write, I feel like I'm melding it together. I feel like I'm giving them all of me. Both so, sides. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, Maria. Um, yeah, there was also like one more question. What made you come back to Miami after Chicago? Was that always clear to you that you would, you know, be here, living here? No. Okay. So, like I said, it was a low residency program. So, actually, I had moved here before and um, I... I got a divorce, <laughs> a random thing, but that like, so I was here. So I was like, I'm going to rebuild my life here. So I rebuilt my business here. And so when I went to school and made the decision to go to low residency, it was so that I could still work here. And so I was building my business here and also doing graduate school and working on my project at the same time. So when I first 
when I first graduated from grad school, I wasn't exactly totally sure I wanted to be here, but, um, but, but I had started my business. But since then, so I graduated a year and a half ago. I love Miami. I don't ever want to leave Miami. In fact, I was like, it was kind of like uh, grad school was interesting at that point in time because I didn't really feel like I was here ever. I wasn't, I was only halfway here. It was for work. Yeah. So, you know, I've lived here for six years, but I only felt like two years where I've really taken part in everything. Or immersed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it also takes, Miami takes some time to kind of like really dive into. I feel like that was also my experience. You know, it's like, I also, I also felt like uh, the first couple of years I was always like, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to move, you know, back to California or I'm still going to move back to like Europe or whatever. It takes some time before you can be like, oh, actually, it's nice here. I kind of like plant your roots, built, you know? built a lot and... Yeah. Yeah. And I just love it. Like I love teaching. I love like all my students are not from the U S <laughs> which is so interesting. That's not going to happen anywhere else besides here. You know, Yeah, it's such a melting pot too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Our very final question. You've been sitting in an imaginary rocking chair and it grants you three wishes. You can wish for anything and everything, <laughs> but you have to say it out loud for it to come true. What are your three wishes? Oh my God. <laughs> I love the face. I wish people could see it. It's always that moment where I'm like, have people listened to these before? Are they aware there's a final question coming? And everybody's always shocked. It's so great. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, oh, um, oh, okay. Wait, wait three wishes. Oh, I hope I, I hope I can live in Miami forever. I'm serious. I've been thinking about that. Like if it's actually can happen, you know, because other things happen, um, and get in the way. <laughs> so I hope that I could live in Miami forever and work, you know, <laughs> I, I hope that, um, I'd like to see my art and my projects grow in the next two years. Um, it's been, it's been a lot to do everything. So I'd, I'd love, I can't wait to see my art, like, just have the time and space to just constantly make it. Um, and wait, are these supposed to be about my art? Like me? Whatever you want. Yeah. Like anything. It's an Aladdin situation. It's like anything you want. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I, I wish, oh, I mean, this is so obvious. I wish, you know, everybody to be safe here. Everybody I know. And I just hope everybody's safe and, you know, making artwork all the creatives and getting work and that's what i hope thank you so thank much thank you so much for sitting Natalia. with us natalia we will be Thanks. connecting your website to ours if our listeners are interested and in looking to kind of sort of search you out and find out about any upcoming projects you're doing or residencies or whatever their your website will be connected to ours listeners you can go ahead and check her out natalia kochak she'll be volume 148 on our links website um other than that maria thank you so much for sitting with thank us you, Lisa. Digitally. thank you Elisa. thank you for the digital rocking chair session and um we'll see you all next week all bye, everyone. bye everyone <laughs> bye